ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in to Hoist the Colors on this Tuesday, January 2nd edition of the program. We are back after our holiday hiatus. It is good to be back. Happy New Year to everybody out there as we have rolled into 2024. And the show is back. And it is good to be back as the college football playoff absolutely delivered last night in the semifinals round. We'll touch on that as Philip Pilkington is producing today. We'll get to his thoughts. Case Romaley in studio as well today. He is our basketball insider on Hoist the Color. So, of course, we will talk East Carolina basketball. They take on FAU in a nationally televised game tonight on ESPN2. So, we'll get into that game as well. We also got some football transfer news over the break. Antron Jackson, Aaron the Portal, we'll hit on that. We'll touch on what an important week this will be ahead of the spring semester and more. So we've got a lot to do over the next hour. Good to be back. As always, we are live on YouTube, live on Facebook, live on Twitter. If you've got a question, a comment, want to chime in, Feel free to do so on those channels, specifically YouTube and Facebook. We will read those on the air. All right, Kaysen, you had a late night last night. That I was did. partly due to you staying up and watching the, the game. I'll be honest, though. I've been feeling quite bad uh, the last few days. I've been dealing with a sinus infection. So that's why I'm broadcasting from home today. <clears throat> so I, I did obviously saw, saw the end of the Alabama-Michigan game. And we had some people over and enjoyed that. And then at halftime of Texas, Washington, I went to sleep because I just had to get some rest. What time did that game end up concluding? At 12. Uh, because I tried to stay up for it. 12.52 is when the clock strikes zero. I know this because, <clears throat> excuse me, I was, I was watching it and it was me and my girlfriend watching it, watching it together. And then... Um, Washington kicks the field goal to make it 37. And I'm like, oh, to make it 37-31. I'm like, oh, okay. Or they turned the ball. I forgot. But I was really paying attention because, I mean, I thought it was over because it was a 10-point game. Thir- Philip, you are watching it, right? Yeah, I was. Because wasn't it 31-21? No. Wait, was it? I'm going to look right now. This is tripping me out. Hold on. I think it was 37-28. 37-28. They were up nine. Yeah, 37-28. 37-28. And I was like, oh, like, okay. I mean, I'm not too, like, like okay, they're about to win. So then all of a sudden I look back up and they got three shots from, like, the 20-yard line. And I'm like, holy cow, what are we doing? But, I mean, I was totally entertained by the game. But I thought it was a little frustrating. Every five minutes, they would pan to when Quinn Ewers slammed his head. Oh, my gosh. I thought he was out for sure when he slammed his head. And all they did was show Arch Manning for the next 20 minutes just walking around the sideline. It's like, what are we doing? Prodigal song. So I didn't even realize that So uh, since I was not watching the game. Philip, you stayed up for both? Yeah, I stayed up for both. 
adrenaline was pumping. I stayed up later than I should have because my adrenaline was pumping so much from from watching the end of the second game. It was hard for me to go to sleep. So, but incredible football, man. I mean, how often have we had both semifinal games deliver like that? And obviously. We'll see if the championship delivers now. The the past trend has been either the semifinal games deliver and then the championship's a dud. I don't think we've ever really had both deliver, so we'll get into that. But uh, tremendous football, man. And honestly, Philip, we'll get your take on this as well. I'm, I'm kind of glad to see some fresh blood. Like Michigan-Washington is not the maybe the sexiest championship matchup, but I'm a fan of it. I'm tired of Alabama. And uh, I guess it would have been okay to see Texas in there too, but I can get behind Michigan, Washington, and and whether I have a rooting interest or not, enjoy the game. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. It's gonna be one of those things where it's like I'm gonna be kind of content. Whoever wins the game, I'm sure once kickoff happens, I'll find myself pulling for one team or another. But to your point with the new blood, don't quote me on this, but I believe every championship game has had either Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, or Clemson in it, I think, since the college football playoffs inception. Don't have all the, the games right in front of me. So it is fun to see New Blood. It was fun to watch New Blood last night, you know, kind of going in. It was like, man, three out of these four teams are, are different. You know, I know Michigan's been in it the last couple of years, but they haven't had any success when being there. Washington had been there once uh, back in 2018, I believe, and they were unsuccessful in that attempt. And then obviously we have – not really seen Texas do anything since Vince Young. And uh, who's the other team? Or I guess it was Alabama. So, yeah. But three out of the four teams were fresh blood, and I thought it was two great games. I do have to say I'm very glad that the first game ended in the first overtime or would it have ended in the second overtime. I do not like that going to a two-point conversion, just a two-point conversion starting in the third overtime. I'm okay with that in the regular season, but I really would have hated had a college football playoff game ended on a two-point play. Yeah, we were having that conversation too, and I guess you know we just assumed the rule would be the same in the playoff as it is in the regular season. Luckily, we didn't get to that point. But what, what did y'all make of the – the final play call on fourth and goal, you know, I, I like them using Milrose legs, but I would have liked to see them go to a more diverse play option with the ability to run or pass case. And what did you make of, of that play call that really had no shot? Michigan blew it up from the start. I was in shock. I mean, as soon as, I mean, my thing is, what were there, 18 timeouts called in the last 30 seconds in that last possession at that last play? Michigan called a timeout. Then Alabama called a timeout. I'm like, look, you had 20 minutes to call up your 100 percenter in that situation, and that was like two point. That was like two point area. You call a hundred percenter. Every coach in America has a couple hundred percenters. Where look, we can always fall back on this. And look, if that's theirs, Lord be it. But I mean, it was also a terrible snap, and that center was. Whew, Whew, that center was rough. He'll be playing at Old Dominion in the fall. But, man, it was rough. And um, another thing I want to state on, like Phillip hit on, that Alabama-Michigan game was the longest game in the history of sports. I have never seen so many commercials in my entire life. That first quarter took an hour and eight minutes. I counted it. I timed it. Like, are we serious right now? It was so frustrating to me. And then people like Igo couldn't stay up for the second game because the first game took too darn long. Exactly. And then it exactly. still took them, like, they were starting, I think, the second half of the second game. 
I think it was, and it was already like well over two hours. It's like two hours and eighteen minutes. Yes, since kickoff, and they were starting to say, "I was like, what are we doing right now?" I looked at my roommate. I'm like, "Yo, I'm exhausted. Absolutely, I haven't done ridiculous. anything all day. Absolutely ridiculous. I yeah. watched hockey and football all day, and I was exhausted by the start of the second half. And you know what else is absolutely yeah, ridiculous? Was- after that, after Michigan beats Alabama, these Florida State fans come out of the woodshed. First of all, this is all I'm saying this. Yes, you're missing 89 starters. I understand that. I understand. I understand. You're missing your quarterback. You're probably missing three towel boys, a Gatorade boy. You're probably missing a laundry man. You're probably missing everything. But look, you still got 60 bombed. I don't care what you have to say. You still got 60 bombed. And look, Georgia was playing walk-ons. You had me out there playing wideout, and then Will Mushrup's son somehow playing quarterback, and you still lost by 60. Look, and I'll say this too, and I said this when it happened. Georgia will be every single one of these teams in the in the playoff. Still, Georgia is easily one of the best four teams, and just because they had an off day versus Alabama, they got punished for it. I agree, man. The Florida State stuff is so stupid. Like I saw our old buddy Josh Graham used to work at ninety four three the game, tweeting about you can't tell me Florida State wouldn't have scored more than twenty points on Michigan. Like, what are you talking about, Josh? I love you, buddy, but no. Like, they probably wouldn't have. I mean, let's, let's, the, the, the committee put, put 20 in on the Louisville? four best teams. I don't even know if they put yeah, 20 I mean, on Louisville. That's the thing. I think they put 16 on Louisville. I don't Louisville. think they did. And, yeah. look how, and look how good that Louisville team is. They lost to USC, and we had Steven Igo playing quarterback back there. <laughs> he looks like it, too. Steven Igo looked pretty good. For oh, gosh. Peace. No lie. Uh, uh, Philip, what did you make of the fourth and goal call? Yeah, that was just a – yeah. I get that you had the ball probably in the hands of your best player, but you had been losing the battle at the point of attack all night long. I think even if it's not a bad snap, they probably don't get it. You know, if there's an RPO there, I can I can get behind that. You want to give your you know yourself multiple opportunities, I guess, to score in one play. But I thought they had not really ran the ball up A-gap well all night. The center – Looked like he'd ever played center before all night long. And to Kaysen's point, that's got to be your 100% play. That's got to be your Dan Campbell pass to Taylor Decker play. And uh, you come up with the quarterback draw. And, yeah, I don't know what Nick was thinking there. but Also, also on that Dan Campbell, I want to speak on this. Here we go. Dan I should have brought it up, my bad. Listen to this. Listen to this. I'm a big Dan Campbell fan. I'm a big Dan Campbell guy. I'm a big MCDC guy. But look, pal. It's okay to try the kicker out there. It's okay to try the punter out there. It's okay to punt. It's okay to kick field goals. I'll tell you right now, if it's in if if somehow the Lions make it to the Super Bowl, MCDC is going to be so juiced up, he'll be on his own two line fourth of twenty five. Go out there, guys. Golf. Go out there. I have never in my life seen a coach hate to punt or kick field goals on fourth down in my entire life. It's actually ridiculous. I was watching that. Was that Friday night, Saturday night, whatever night it was? I was like, what are we doing, coach? Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, look, just kick the daggone ball. Are we all in agreement of that? It was ridiculous. Yeah, I love that Casey is just fired up on this uh, on this Tuesday show. I just I'm get, enjoying it. I just get so irritated with bad ball. I irritate with bad ball, and I've been around bad ball since August ECU football, and now I was I was looking forward to ECU basketball, and that's worse ball. And then NC State basketball, that's some bad ball. Panthers don't even get me going. We're not talking about that. Uh, arrest, arrest David Tepper, please, right now. Arrest him for throwing drinks at minors. He threw it at a young child. Please arrest him. What else am I irritated about? 
a bunch of other stuff, but yeah. Yep. Who's your favorite NBA team? Yep, sure about that. Are you a Hornets fan? I am. All right, now, all right, now look, I will say this. I'm a Fairweather Hornets fan. When the Hornets are good, I'll keep up with them. But, I mean, they're just terrible. They're terrible. Oh, but shout out shout out the Detroit Pistons, though. They ended the streak. Y'all should have seen Kaysen on Friday at the basketball game. He was about to lose it. Oh, we were all about to lose it. That was just a uh, that was a rough. There one. was one point where uh, the East the East Tennessee player hits this little fadeaway jumper in the corner. Just I mean, like dirt Kobe fadeaway hits it, and I just get up and leave. And Steven is just like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "I'm just gonna go pass, dude." <laughs> yeah, I thought he was leaving and never coming back. Uh, Robert Dedrick on YouTube says, "Michigan wins time of possession with rushing attack to keep the score low and win the game." Yeah, I mean. And Alabama is not really a drop back and passing team either with Milrow, so like it was going to be probably a lower scoring game. I do think JJ McCarthy made some big time throws on their game time touchdown drive, and so you got to give him credit there. But certainly they are built on running the football and play action. But uh, I, I think they're the more complete team over Alabama this year, and I think it showed on Monday. All right, guys, some big news over the break from an ECU perspective. Antoine Jackson has hit the transfer portal. He was one of the guys we were kind of waiting and seeing. Obviously, he was a four-star recruit out of high school. Played great as a 17-year-old true freshman. Tremendous ceiling, but he's from Florida. He was originally signed with Miami. He got out of that. He came to ECU. His girlfriend, Karina Gordon, is on the women's basketball team. So that played a role there. She's obviously still playing this season. They've got their conference opener against UTSA, I think, today. So I don't know where all that stands, but it it, just, it didn't surprise me because guys go home over break and then they get people in their ear. He's from the Miami-Fort Lauderdale area. I think he got people in his ear when he went home. And from my understanding, he told ECU on Christmas night, sent a text message to the staff, said, I'm coming back, Merry Christmas. And then the next day, entered the transfer portal basically announcing it over Twitter, and that's kind of how they found out. So, tough situation. Uh, you lose a talent, uh, but, you know, it does sound like they've got some corners scheduled to visit this week. I think they'll get somebody good. Siobhan Revel put out he's coming back, so that's a major positive. He's a lockdown player. But, Kaysen, what did you make of the Antoine Jackson news over break? I mean, it was just ultra-frustrating. I mean, with me and you talked about it over the break. We were texting about it, and – it's just ridiculous. It's seen it's seen around the country with football players, basketball players, baseball players. I don't know because I'm not in that world. But, I mean, when these players go home and they just get people in their ear saying, hey, like, I can get you, I can get you here. And sometimes it doesn't work out. And, look, I'm not saying it's not going to work out for Antoine Jackson. I hope it does work out for him. I hope he is a good player. I hope he does go to the NFL. But, I mean, at the same time, the grass isn't always green on the other side, 110%. There's no arguing that. And look, he was look he was a good he was a good player at ECU, but now I think we all expect him to go to an ACC school that is unnamed. But and look, we're going to see if he's going to play there. I think he will. But look, I mean, it frustrates me because I think the staff put a lot. I know they did put a lot of work into getting him here and making him the player he is today, honestly. And then you're just going to leave like that Wednesday and Merry Christmas. I think it is frustrating for this program. But then again, man, look, if you look around the country, this is just the name of the game now. It's just how it is. I mean, players are doing this left and right, left and right. So I'm not shocked, but I'm just a little frustrated. Yeah, I keep say, seeing people say, hey, this is the new norm for ECU. 
No, this is the new norm for everybody. Yeah. Oklahoma lost its starting quarterback. Oklahoma, like blue blood Oklahoma, saw Dylan Gabriel go to Oregon. So there's always – this stuff is happening everywhere. This is not just an ECU thing. Cer- certainly ECU will lose players to quote-unquote bigger schools. They'll also gain players from bigger schools that are transferring for more playing time. They've already done that this transfer portal cycle. So – you just have to find a way to deal with this stuff and adapt. It stinks, but you do with it. You deal with it, and you move on. You get the next best guy. Uh, you find a way to keep Savon Rebel, so that way your cornerback room still has an older veteran leader. And then you try to keep developing Isaiah Brown Murray, bringing another corner, etc. Uh, Philip, what did, what did you make of the Antoine Jackson news, and how big of a loss is this for ECU from a football perspective? Yeah, you know it's one of those things. I think when the recruiting process went down the way it did with him where he had committed, like Kaysen said, to unnamed ACC school and then decided to come here. We kind of figured that he wasn't going to be here for three years and then go directly to the league. I saw him transferring at some point. But it's frustrating to have a kid give false hope to the staff. Like, just be honest about it. Like, if you're not going to stay, cool. But don't say I'm coming back and then 24 hours later – change you know i mean obviously there's sometimes you have weird circumstances and things like that but this doesn't sound like one of those weird circumstances this sounds like like casen says somebody got in his ear on christmas you know carving that turkey and they were saying hey you know things are a little better in the acc right now better chance to go play in the pros and look that's fine you got to do what's best for you i don't like the way the portal is but that's not the point of this conversation but the issue is you come on and lie and like that's gonna hurt you down the road, I think, too. Like you can just like we use people as references to get jobs in the real world, they kinda have to do that too. Coaches talk with other coaches and when they find that out, I mean, yeah, he's gonna land somewhere, but down the road that could hurt him. And, you know, it's frustrating, but you know, that's that's the worst part about being a group of five team. Your worst play, your players that don't play a lot are gonna get poached by FCS schools before you get a chance to get them in the game, and the ones who do play a lot are getting poached by Power 5 schools. We are just the meat of the sandwich, and the bun on either side is, is taking our taking all of our ingredients. And it's frustrating, but it is what it is, I guess. That's a great way to put it, Philip. We're the meat of the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and he is, again, he's 17 years old, so I still think he's got some maturing to do. Great talent. Like y'all said, you got to do what's best for you. He could he could be in the NFL as a first round pick in two years, uh, but you know there is also a scenario where he goes somewhere, doesn't play a whole lot or doesn't play as much as he did at ECU. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Kenny Curlins on Facebook says Detroit did the tripping on the last Cowboys series and was called on Dallas. That horrible call took a first down away that would have ended the game. Yeah, we could do a whole show on NFL officiating and uh, you know the two point conversion. And all that. It just it continues to get worse, but we won't do it because we've got other things to talk about. I do want to say one thing about um, that game, though, if yeah. I could. Just one quick, that nobody's bringing up. The nine-point swing on the C.D. Lamb touchdown. Oh, my gosh. If the dude wraps up and sacks Dak, that's the safety. That's a oh nine-point swing. We ain't talking about the trip. Yeah, bad job by Brad Allen. That was abysmal, and I think he's one of the better referees. But, yeah, that nine-point swing, that's what really needs to be talked about with that game. Wrap up, make that tackle, you win a football game. What are y'all's thoughts about the fumble out of the end zone? Are y'all on that train, or are we, are we ready to get off that train? Because I hate that rule more than anything in the world. A touchback? Yeah, yeah. when you fumble in the end zone, it goes out back of the end zone. That should not be. I hate it. I I, I think it uh, – well – It happened to CD. I think the ball should go back to the 20 rather than be a touchback for the other team. 
here's my issue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I fumbled a ball. Was I'm on the 40 yard line? I fumbled the ball. It rolls three yards forward to the 37. It comes back to where I fumbled it. Why is it different when it goes to the back of the end zone? Exactly. So either change that rule to goes back to where it f- he fumbled it, or change the rule in the field of play where if I fumble it forwards and it goes out of bounds, I get it four or five yards. It's it's kind of an oxymoron. Yeah. It's just a dumb rule. Um, yeah, I gotta agree. I agree though. Like you shouldn't be penalized for like reaching the ball over the pylon, just dropping it a, a millisecond before you cross it, and then all of a sudden you lose possession and goes back to the other team. Oh, we did also um, bring up something that uh, Stephen was very yeah. frustrated about when it happened. Uh, shout out Jeremy Chadwell and Liberty Flames. When I was watching the when I was watching the game, the first drive, I, I sent Stephen a picture of Jeremy Chadwell. I was like, he's here. And then twenty minutes, Stephen didn't text me back because he knew it was going to happen. And then when it, the gates on, when the gates unloaded, he texted me back and was like, "Look, they tried. I mean, Liberty for all the credit, they tried to keep it close against Oregon, but Oregon was just too good. But and then again, Liberty played absolutely nobody. But then again, it go. But then again, should SMU've been in that game, they just lost to Boston College. Nobody should have been in that game. It just should have been Oregon versus Computer. Because I watched that because I watched that SMU Boston College game and I was like, "There's no way the American Conference champion is losing to the doormat of the ACC right now." I was like, "This cannot happen." But they, they, pro- they were without Preston Stone, right? Yeah, they probably had opt outs too. Yeah, he's been injured, so. Okay, so I'm guessing they had yeah. left op- less opt outs had they played no New Year's Six game. But when I turned on that yeah. Liberty game, I was like, "Let's go!" Like when they scored first, they missed extra point. I was like, "Oh, yikes!" And then that, and then Bo Nix. Over with. I like nice, the sound effects. Nice sound effects there. Thank you. Appreciate it. And yeah, those are good. That was also Michael Penix last night. Michael Penix was... His throws, Michael Penix's throws last night, I mean, they were like in little keyholes. Michael Michael Penix will start for NFL team next year. Kaysen has caught it. Michael Penix will start for an NFL team. Maybe the Panthers. No, All right, let's get no. a break in. We got to get one in. Otherwise, we might do a whole show without taking a break. Um, all right, we'll come back. We're going to switch gears. We'll talk ECU basketball. We'll revisit our 20-win predictions preseason and talk about what are more realistic expectations now that conference play is here and we have the non-conference sample size. This is Hoist the Colors on a Tuesday. Happy game day, Pirate Nation, as East Carolina gets set to take on nationally ranked FAU. This is the Pirate Report. Brought to you by our pirate partners, Morris Old Time Barbecue, Fantastic Sam's, and HBOT for Heroes. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo. How good is this? On 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into Hoist the Colors on this Tuesday, January 2nd edition of the program. The show is back after our holiday hiatus. I'm at home in the home studio dealing with a sinus infection. Casey Romaley, Philip Pilkington are in the studio. They're holding it down over there. So appreciate their help on this fine program. We'll talk Pirate Basketball in a minute. I want to first bring to you our East Coast Agency Pirate of the Week. We're going in a little bit of a different direction this time. It is Damon Magazoo. That's right, the newly hired safety coach over at East Carolina, former Pirate, great safety himself, 11 career interceptions. Everybody remembers the interception to beat Russell Wilson 
and the NC State Wolfpack in 2010, Ruffin McNeil's first year. By the way, what a coincidence that magazine was hired officially the week after Russell Wilson is benched in Denver. So interesting connection there. But 11 career picks had a, a number of acrobatic interceptions as well. Great tackler. Great coverage guy, the son of an NFL coach, uh, the late, great Dave Magazoo, who's a longtime NFL offensive line coach under John Fox with the Panthers and Denver Broncos. So welcome back, Damon Magazoo. He is our East Coast Agency Pirate of the Week as he joins Mike Houston's staff heading into year six at ECU as Coach Houston. I appreciate Tim Vliet and his support of the program. East Coast Agency is excited to announce the opening of their office in Greenville, North Carolina. Call Drew Moeller at 341-8818. Remember, it doesn't matter who your agent is until it does. East Coast Agency appreciate their support of the program. Again, thanks to Tim. And Tim actually has a personal relationship with David Magzu, so I know he's very excited about David's return home. And we may or may not have helped get Damon Magazoo back to ECU by giving his contact info to some people on staff. We'll never know the truth of that, but welcome back, Damon Magazoo. All right, guys, let's talk some pirate basketball. And interesting game tonight, I guess interesting is a good word. Uh, ECU, FAU. I don't know. Do we, do we really want to break this one down? I, we'll get Kaysen's initial thoughts. Do the Pirates have a shot tonight, Kaysen? Yes, guess- the, yes, the Pirates have a shot tonight. 100% because Florida Atlantic's last game was against a, F, a not a good FGCU team, and they lost a by four. terrible FGCU team. Do what? Yeah. They're, they're not good. I mean, yeah, FGCU. Are they, are they, 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 they have a losing, they have a losing record? Or they were, they, I think, four and yeah, six they, coming into the game. They haven't been good since Dooley left. They are six, they two, they're six and nine. They're under. But Go. Three of those wins are non D one, so they have three Division one wins. So I mean, look, that if you look at FAU schedule, FAU schedule is the perfect example of how crazy college basketball is. You look, they start off by Lord Chicago, Eastern Michigan, uh, killing them. You're like, holy cow! They beat Eastern Michigan by dang near forty points, forty three points. Then they go to Bryant, they play Bryant, lose. You're like. Everyone, everyone around the country is like, oh, they're they're overrated. They're not as good. Just because you return them, I mean, you're better. And then they go on to play Texas A&M, number 12 ranked Texas A&M, a good Texas A&M team who I think is the top three team in the SEC this year. They beat them, put 96 points on them. You're like, okay, that's impressive, but let me see it again. They go play Virginia Tech, beat Virginia Tech by 44. You're like, holy cow. Then you go play a good Liberty team. Liberty's never bad. Never bad. You beat them by 30. You're like, oh, well, okay, well, I guess they're back. And then you play Charleston. It was a tournament team last year. A good team. A great coach. They beat them by 20. You're like, okay, okay, here we go. And then they go play Illinois in the Garden. And that was one of the best games of the year. Terrence Shannon versus Elijah Martin. Holy cow, great game. They lose that one by nine. But that's 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 kind of a mm, game because it's a new... Neutral it's a respectable loss. It's a respectable loss. And then they go down to FIU, beat them by 34. St. Bonaventure by 10. And then the game in the year, which I missed, but I did watch it back. 
they beat number four Arizona, one of the best teams in the country, one of the best backcourts in the country. And I mean, that was the game. That's one of the best games I've seen. I didn't watch it live, sadly, but Stephen was texting me the entire time. You watch this, you watch this. I was like, no, I can't watch it right now. But I thought you were a basketball junkie. I couldn't. I was with my girlfriend getting dinner with her parents, so I could not have my phone at the dinner table. But it was so funny because my phone kept with all my friends texting me and you, and then I'd put my phone do not disturb. And then when I looked after dinner on my phone, it was about that game, and I was like, holy cow. So then they beat Arizona. Everyone was like, holy cow, FAU's real. They're real. And then two days ago, I'm texting, you text me the score, and I was like, yeah, I'm watching. Me and my roommate watched that whole game, and they just looked out of sorts. They looked sloppy. They looked like they didn't want to be there. They had that Christmas break hangover, just like ECU had, but versus a similar team, honestly, if we're being for real. Um, East, East Tennessee is better than FGCU, FYI, also, but I mean, look, it just go, it just shows anything's possible, and the Pirates, the Pirates could win tonight, yes, but also... FAU is probably the most pissed off team in the entire country right now, which is not ideal. Home conference opener too tonight. Sorry for going on a little rant. No, I mean, I feel like this is the worst possible case scenario for ECU. Like, I felt pretty good about ECU coming off the ETSU loss. I'm like, all right, they're, they're going to be mad themselves. They're going to play pretty good. They probably won't win, but they'll go down to FAU and compete. And then the next day, FAU goes out and loses to a terrible Florida Gulf Coast team. So this basically signals to me, Dusty May is going to have his boys ready to go. Conference opener, new league. They're going to be amped. I don't envision any scenario of a letdown for FAU tonight, which means ECU is going to have to play extremely well just to hang around. Philip, when you saw the F- uh, Florida Gulf Coast results, what were your thoughts, and do you think the Pirates have any chance tonight? Um, you know, I was—I wouldn't say I was totally shocked because I was keeping up with the game the whole time, and I was kind of hoping they would come back. But um, yeah, I think the Pirates have a chance tonight solely because of a conversation that Kaysen and I had three, four weeks ago that. College basketball is getting more competitive, not because the worst, the best teams are worse, but because the middle of the pack teams are better. And because of that, I really believe it's coming more and more like the NFL, where we use that term any given Sunday. However, they are not the team that lost to Florida Gulf Coast. They are the team that beat arguably the best team in the country in Arizona. The only team who has ever beaten. Arizona's the only team to ever beat John Shire and Cameron. Just saying that. Right. right okay. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I think, you know, when you come off that Christmas holiday, everybody's been patting you on the back, telling you how good you are, telling you you're going to the Final Four again. It's easy to get complacent. They got complacent. It came back. It bit them in the rear end. You know what? They realized that bite in the rear end hurt, and they're going to be ticked off tonight. So, can you see win a game? Of course. They beat Houston a few years ago in an empty gym in COVID. Had the buzzer beater against Memphis a couple years back. It's possible. Is it going to happen? Probably not. It's going to be one ticked off Owls team. So, you know, I think it's going to be a fun one. I think the Pirates hang around for a little bit. But at the end of the day, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder down there in Boca Raton. And it, it could get ugly because that team is, is what their record says there is. And the record says they're a pretty darn good basketball team. 
They're very good. And the thing is, it's also on the road. And ECU basketball, I can't remember the last time they won a a big road game. I guess at Wichita last year was a big win. They won in Memphis one year in Aliba. But it is few and far between. Now, if you want to turn around your program, you want to talk – we're about to talk in our next segment about expectations going into the conference play. You go out and win the game tonight, you can win every game left on your schedule on paper. But it's just – it's going to be a tall task. FAU is going to be – they're going to be mad, and they're going to play well. ECU is going to have to find a way to match that intensity. All right, a couple notes here before we get a break in. Johnny Robertson said Ezra Asar is the only player in Division One to attempt more free throws than field goals, 93 to 88. That is pretty crazy. He draws so many fouls. He drew nine fouls last game. So he just – he's a menace at getting to the line, and then he's been hit, shooting it okay at times this year from the line. Chip Wall says my man has knocked back either some Red Bulls or Folocos. Either way, he is bringing it today, and I'm here for it. I guess he's talking about you, Casey. I guess so. How many Red Bulls so. did you drink? I do. I do not like Red Bull. I've. I've. Do not like energy drinks. I'm just. I, I always just wake up wired. My girlfriend always gets irritated with me because I'm always so ram around in the morning. She's so. Uh, so I, I. I'm always fired up in the morning, and, and then, and then uh, I like like you know you know I just cannot stand bad just bad ball and it's some bad ball. It just gets me fired up. It's easy to be fired up when you just slept till eleven thirty. He texted us at eleven twenty. He's like, "Oh, sorry, dude, yeah, guys, look, just woke look, up." Look, 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 this this is this is pretty good. This is pretty funny. I wake <laughs> up. I wake up. Look at my phone. I'm like, oh shoot, it's Tuesday. So I text Stephen. I'm like still half asleep, kind of. I text Stephen. I was like, I was like, my bad, dude. Am I supposed to be on the show today? And I close out my text, and then I, and then I see and then I see our group chat with like ten messages. And I was like, oh. My fault, and then I and then I click on that, and I read it, and I was like, okay, I'll be there. Don't I'll be there. Don't worry, guys. Was there any? Hey, the only thing that matters is if you make it on time, and you made it before the show. So was, good job. Was there any panic that Casey was like not alive for those two hours that I did not text back? Like, oh, where's Casey? Didn't text. Back I was anything? about to text Philip. If you didn't text by nine thirty, or uh, excuse me, eleven thirty, I was going to text Philip. All right, I'm pretty sure Casey is dead and is not going to come in because he's overslept. Like you did for the Swartz press conference at one time. My fault. My fault, guys. Hey, guys. He he, he had strike one. We thought he's going to have strike two, but he fouled it off. Fouled it. Bad that pitch. is true. He shouldn't have swung at it. Stay alive. We're just giving you a hard time, Casey. All right, okay. let's get another break, and we'll come back. We'll talk expectations for ECU going in the conference play now that it's here. Now that they're seven and six through non-conference, a lot less wins than we originally projected. How does this change our feelings for ECU going into league play? We'll discuss that next on Hoist the Colors on a Tuesday. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo. The game. All right, welcome back into the program. Tuesday, well, I just try to say December and January at the same time. January, Tuesday, January 2nd, it's a new year, 2024, it's good to be here, it's good to have the show back, Kaysen Romaley is in studio, Philip Pilkington is producing, we have talked college football playoff semifinals, we've talked a little bit of transfer portal, we are talking ECU basketball right now, we're going to talk about expectations going into league play here in a second. 
Uh, Casey, we've got a couple questions here. Pirate 2031 and Dustin Bell want to know what is the injury situation going into tonight? And I'm going to be honest, I have no idea. I don't know what is going on half the time with these players who are just missing games. We added Quentin DeBuje to the list. Ben Baila has been randomly missing games. Callum Richard, who was supposedly sick before Christmas at halftime of the Delaware State game, then wasn't able to play the last game nine days later. We asked Coach Schwartz after the game about what's the status of Quentin DeBuje and Ben Baila. He says... I don't know. I wish I knew. What do you make of all this, Casey? Look, from now on, when I go to basketball games, I'm going to start making my own bingo board and saying who's going to be out today. I'm pretty sure I can get bingo. Because every single time I walk in with my book bag, the first thing I do is walk in, I walk across the floor, and I see who's, and I see who's in street clothes, who's warming up. And I kid you not, every, every single game, there's been at least one. Sometimes there's two, sometimes there's two or three. And then this past game, I walk in, I see Dabunje out. I'm like, okay, what's going on? And then I look to his left. Callum is walking up the floor in street clothes. I'm like, oh, I guess he's still sick from 10 days ago. But Lord knows he could be sick. You never know. But I was just so perplexed on what day was it? Friday of the game when you asked, what's the status? He said, I don't know. I wish I knew. I just looked at him like, What? I I mean I had I had no words to say and then also it's just frustrating that whole situation is frustrating and face on we have no clue what's going on with face on right now we don't think he'll be back but you never know that Dabunje Baela Callum this team has not all been together once this game even like now that Cam's back this team has been together when Cam was not playing someone was always out it's just ridiculous I've never seen a team with so many scratches in my entire life. Yeah, the personnel for this year has been all from the start. Guys missing practice, guys missing games. It, and part of this is basketball, Casey, but I have never seen a team with this many scratches. And I don't know, maybe we just do a poor job as, as writers following the team. Maybe we should know stuff. But like, I feel like all this – I mean, obviously the coach doesn't know what's going on. And look, he, he probably knows what's going on. He just may not want to share it publicly or tell us. Um, but that was, uh, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of at a loss for like what's going on too. Cause like you see the guys walking around. It's not like, it doesn't look like they're seriously hurt. I think Bale at one point was maybe on crutches. So maybe he was seriously hurt, but, uh, I, I don't know. We'll see if it, we'll see if Quentin goes tonight. We'll see if Callum goes tonight, but it's just been a weird year, man. Something about this year's team has just felt off. And it really started with, to Corey Faison thing when he missed media day due to personal reasons. Then he showed up to the first game, didn't play, and hasn't been back since. So, And he's he's a guy we expected to play a lot, Kaysen. So I feel like a lot of this comes back to they just don't have the depth and competition, and that's creating some of the issues that we're seeing as well. Well, they finally took to Corey off the roster. They I did? Think. Yeah, over the break. I guess they couldn't early because – he was like still enrolled in school or whatever, but the minute the, or second the semester, semester ended, yeah, yeah, he was gone. That's so yeah. interesting. So I would not expect him back. I mean, we'll try to get further clarification on that. We'll see if we can get a direct answer. All right, guys, let's uh, let's get into expectations here. ECU in men's basketball has a net ranking of two hundred and thirty nine. That is thirteen out of fourteen teams in the American. 
UTSA is the only team worse at 289. Going into conference play at the start of the year, we felt pretty good about this team in the league. In fact, the coaches from the league picked ECU to finish fifth. I don't think that's still impossible. You've only got four teams in the top 100 in the net nationally right now in the American. FAU is 18, Memphis is 40, SMU is 46, North Texas is 94. Everybody else is outside the top 100. Kaysen, what are your expectations now for conference play? What's a fair expectation for this team based on what we've seen thus far? Personally, I think this team can still win eight, nine, ten games because if you look at the conference as a whole, it's not very good. I mean, I, I mean, we're being honest here. Outside of Florida Atlantic and Memphis, this no team out, no team outside of them has a shot to even look at the NCAA tournament bid. So I definitely think it is possible. But then again, I mean, you just look at the way ECU's been playing, and you're like, man, this is just this is just tough to watch. And I mean, it's just so frustrating because all this hype coming in and then you have all these problems with scratches and just the Cam Hay stuff. I mean, it's just been just a slow snowball. And I think that it got at its biggest point versus East Tennessee. And then I think after that bad loss, you would love to turn around and play UTSA or Charlotte, something like that. But no, you have to go to one of the better teams in the entire country for their home conference opener. I mean, you just get a horrible draw by that. But then I but then I will say they do have a favorable draw after that. They do play Tulsa at home. Tulsa is 9 and 3, but then again, I don't think they've played too many good teams than you have at Temple. And you have some winnable games in there and I think that and look, you were talking to me about it on our predictions and you said I don't see us losing many games at home. And look, man, we've lost how many? One, two, three, four games at home already. And look, if you're really looking at our schedule, they're really, ECU's really five and seven. Because look, you take away that fair win, that is not counting as a win, to my opinion. It's the D, whatever D, whatever D6 they are. And then it didn't count their schedule. You count that off, so you mark off that one. And then Kennesaw State, you went off a prayer. So, if he shoots that shot 10 times, I don't think it goes in, honestly. So you're really five and seven, and you're looking back at this non-conference like, what? And then something that frustrates me is like, look, yes, I understand ECU fans and on the board are saying, look, we need a schedule better, schedule better, schedule better. But look, how are you, you can't prove next year to schedule a better schedule when you can't win games against USC Upstate and Northeastern at home. Yes, you want a better net. You'll get better net by playing better teams. But look, if you can't beat USC Upstate and Northeastern and East Tennessee State at home, I don't want to see I don't want to see like like a like a mid uh, A10 school like Dayton or VCU here. I don't want to see those because we clearly can't beat the, the lower teams. So it's just frustrating and my grade for the non-conference is a F minus. Just ridiculous. You can't lose those. You can't lose those games at home, considering what you considering what you have coming back. And even when Cam Hayes coming back at points, they look even more lost on offense. So it's just it's just so frustrating, and I'm irritated by it. Sorry. I think uh, for ECU, if you're going to schedule that way, you which ECU clearly did in men's basketball, and I want I want to talk about the women's net, which we will here on the other side because they've had a little bit of a slow start too. 
but they rank 81st leading the conference in net ranking as conference play starts because of how they how well they scheduled um despite being just seven and four but for ecu if you're going to schedule that way you can maybe lose one game you can't lose three by games you can't lose northeastern you can't lose the USCFC and East Tennessee State. You can maybe get away with one of those losses and then make it up with another big win elsewhere. But yeah, it's uh, you can't lose all three of those games, and that's what's killing ECU in the net. I still think they're a better team than what the net says. I think they can prove that over conference play, but uh, they got a lot of work to do, and they're running out of time to get it done. All right, let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Tuesday. Hey, what's happening, man? What's happening? Tell me. Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into the show. Tuesday, January 2nd. And we got a few minutes left, so we'll wrap up the program here. Final thoughts. And I was thinking during the break, Casey Romaley is back in the studio. Philip Pilkington is producing Pirates starting conference play tonight. We've kind of been bantering about how to reassess ECU basketball given the up and down nature of non-conference play. All right, so ECU 7-6. Week schedule or not, the Pirates have not had a above 500 season since the CIT championship in 2012, I believe. I can't remember if it was 2011-12 or 2012-13. I think it was 2012-13. So, Kaysen, here's my question. Is it ECU, if they go 9-9 in the 18-game conference schedule, that would put them at 16 and 15. Is that a successful regular season? That would give them the first over 500 conference or regular season record in a decade. Is that a positive? Is that a successful season or does that still not meet expectations? No, it's not a successful season because if you look at the talent on this roster, RJ Felton is a good player. Ezra, Brandon, Cam Hayes, Bobby Pettiford, Jaden Walker. This is a talented roster. And it just frustrates me because, look, I'm going to say it again. This is a talented roster. And Bobby spoke on it. I don't think they're being used in the right way. I mean, look, I'm, I am not the coach. I don't know what I'm talking about. But at points in the half court, I mean, the offense just looks stagnant. And for a team that preaches on defense, they do not live up to that. And... If you finish 16 and 15, congrats. You finished one game over 500 in a terrible conference and did played really bad in the non-conference. So, yes, it would be a little pat on the back. But, look, with this team, their expectations were 20 wins. No doubt in my mind. You have Ezra and Brandon Johnson. You have arguably the best front court in the American outside. I would say maybe... I'd say they're better than Memphis's right now because Memphis is guard heavy. So you have the second best back front court in the in the American behind FAU, and you can't go above well above 500 in the conference, which I don't think is good. And then you have RJ Felton who predicted second team, and then Bobby Bobby Pettiford who's been playing great as of late. That's the one bright spot of this whole thing. He's been shooting the ball well, which we all doubted. So it would not be a successful season if you finish 16 and 15. <sighs> It's a fair point, and comparative to preseason expectations, I think would be a disappointment, but maybe a small step in the right direction, but we'll see how it starts. 
Big Giddy with tonight's conference opener at FAU. All right, Kaysen, appreciate the time. Philip, thanks for twisting the dials behind the scenes. Thanks, everybody, for coming back with us to start off a new year. We will be back tomorrow, 12 noon. Bobby Harward will join us to talk transfer portal football, ECU Pirates, and more. This what a place to come. the colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook,